and welcome to another episode of Actors Inspiration with Amber Wagner. Today, I am so excited to bring this talented actor that's on the other line to the table. She has been seen in shows like Mad Men, Sex in the City, NCIS, The Haves and Have Nots, For All Mankind, so many more. But currently, she's playing the dynamic Bridget in The Kings of Napa. Please help me welcome Yanni King Monshine. How are you? Hi. Hi. I- I am great. How are you? <laughs> I'm thrilled. I am beyond excited to oh, hear. Oh, such a wonderful introduction, by the way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My pleasure. You know, and just looking at your IMDb and seeing the growth in your uh, career is so inspiring. And, um, you know, this is what this podcast is all about, is actors' inspiration. So I would just love for you to share a little bit about your actor's journey uh, to getting you to where you are today. I love that. This is one of the things I love talking about most, not specifically myself, but the, I love sharing the journey and, and anytime anyone wants to talk about it, I'm always down because I'd love to dispel any kind of misconceptions that it was easy. Yes. (laughs) I think I get a lot of that kind of feedback or, you know, it's that old saying the um, 20 year overnight success of Uh like, you know, it, it wasn't just, you know, I was discovered on an elevator kind of thing. <laughs> like, right. um, so to give you some of that backstory, I am from New York City. Uh-huh. I was uh, raised in Brooklyn and Queens. And I went to the performing arts high school LaGuardia in Manhattan. And I all through like junior high and middle school, I was like in the plays and stuff like that. And my middle school eighth grade teacher was like, told my mom, like, listen, she's got something here. I have a, there's like this summer regional theater program that I'm attached to. And if she wants to like really do this, I can get her an audition. And I did that. And that was the summer that I was like, oh, this is an option outside of my living room. Like, Mm. it's like something that I could do. And there's other theater kids out there that that love this and love playing imaginary imaginary games all day. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I, I, the summer going into high school, I did that. And I didn't know about the performing arts high school in that way when I was in elementary school and in, in middle school. I just, I only, for some reason, I only knew about their vocal department and I didn't want to pursue singing. And so I was like, well, like, I don't know why I just didn't know they had a drama drawer. Mm-hmm. But um, I when I did that regional theater program, there were a couple of kids there that were going to LaGuardia for acting. And I was like, I want to do that. And they were like, audition for the, you know, sophomore year and you can, you know, do your freshman year somewhere else and then come back sophomore year. And that's exactly what I did. Um, And I still ended up auditioning for the voice department because I was like, I just want to be here. So even if I don't get into drama, I want to like be in this school. Yeah. and I, I did end up getting into drama and it that for me really formed my foundational craft, if I could say that, um, yeah. just in the sense of like how to play and how to dig deep and how to do character study and scene study. And like, it, it was like a conservatory um, mm-hmm. in that sense, really, really dedicated to um doing theater and you know musical theater and 
how to do makeup and old age. I mean, we just kind of did that whole thing. Um, and it, you know, they wanted to kind of funnel us because we were directly across the street from Juilliard. Wow. They wanted to kind of funnel us there was like the goal. Um, audition for Ju- Juilliard didn't get in and I auditioned for NYU, got into Tisch, but didn't get into NYU academically. Okay. And that was like, that was the heartbreak of heartbreaks for me because I was like, I, did, I honestly didn't pay attention to my academics. I didn't care. Yeah. And, and that came to bite me in the behind later. Yeah. Um, and so I thought my life was over. I was like, NYU was the goal. And I really thought that like, I can't be an actor if I don't have college training. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the artistic directors from my high school was friends with this casting director who was directing who was casting this off-Broadway play. She threw my name in the hat. I auditioned and I booked it. And I'm doing this play and it's blocks away from my friend's dorm who I went to high school with who who went to NYU. Mm -hmm. And so she came to see my show and we go out to dinner afterwards and she was like, you're getting paid to do what I'm paying for. Yes. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you know, go ahead. No, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, that's exactly what's happening. I was devastated I didn't go to college. Devastated. Yeah. And it really hung on me for a while. And then she said that. And I was like, oh, right. And I was the youngest in that cast by at least a decade. And I was learning so much and having so much fun. And then I ended up uh, an agent came to see the show and they signed me and, and I started doing television, which I didn't know the path towards. Like I had mm-hmm. no idea how to break into that. I just was mm-hmm. like, that's the thing those people do in yeah. LA. Like I had no idea it could happen in New York. And then I did Law and Order and Sex in the City. And that was kind of it. That was shooting in New York at the time. Right. Um, and so I had a few friends that were like, LA is the place. Like, if you really want to stick to TV, that's where you need to be, or just like stay here and, you know, do the theater hustle, which is fine. And I, I got bit by that bug. Like I wanted to do more television and yeah. movies. Um, and so I booked a film, uh, The Prince and Me with Julia Stiles, and I went to shoot that for the summer. And when the premiere came out the next spring, in LA, they, you know, flew me out to LA and I was like, Ooh, this is my chance. Yes. <laughs> and so I like kind of went to LA and set up shop, um, for three months and I hated it. I cried every day. I was, it was awful. It was oh. the worst. <laughs> it, was oh. so, it was terrible because I was so lonely and I was living in Long Beach, which I didn't know wasn't LA. Right. It's a long um, drive. And I, and I had just got my license three days before I moved because New oh York, we God. don't drive. Oh my God. And driving in LA. Yeah. Um, And I was borrowing, I was staying with my aunt's friend and I was borrowing her car, but she was like, you can only borrow it for a month, which is, makes a lot of sense because her car. Um, And so I was like taking public transportation from Long Beach to LA. um, And it was just like, this is not, I can't. And I just, I, I was so lonely, so lonely. Um, but it was kind of good in the end because I did a lot of like self exploration of like, who are you? What do you like? 
you're going to the movies by yourself. What are you going to go see? Like, yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I was like, that's cool. Um, and then I, I came back that fall to visit a friend and his roommate uh, made jewelry. And she was like, come model my jewelry line. And I'm like, sure. And we're chatting. And she's like, when are you moving out? And I was like, oh, I can't. My friend said I need $20,000 to move to LA and I don't have that. And she laughed mm-hmm. at me and she was like, who said that? That's not, a- <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing. You don't, what? She's like, just, you know, have a little chunk of money that, and then get a job. Like that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, and so that's what I did. I, I moved out here two months later and lived off of unemployment and just kind of started the restaurant hustle. Yep. And, and did that, um, till I booked Saving Grace, my first series. And then uh-huh. that went away, I went back to restaurants and, yeah. and I think that journey of doing, you know, waitressing or hosting at a restaurant and then working and then coming back or doing it at the same time, which was a lot of my journey was like, I need tomorrow off. I'm going to be on set. Right. Um, was huge for me uh, and my ego Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I, and I think a lot of actors feel this way. And in fact, I had an actor um, say to me when I came back to work, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they think you've been on a show. Yes. Yeah, that that, that money just is going to continue to fly in from forever from that one show. From that (laughs) one show. And I'm like, first of all, it was a top of show guest star. I, I, I it was one episode um and i and even in the the season that i was like booking a few guest stars in a year still very fruitful like still awesome to have that kind of work but unsustainable as a life like i can't yes. live off of that and they're not back to back to back to back it's like one in march another one in august mm-hmm. another one in december like this mm-hmm. is, that's not a life that you can make so um, restaurants really saved me and kept me here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just left the industry, uh, April of last year. That's incredible. And I thank you so much for sharing that because for the, you know, I have a lot of younger listeners and a lot of people that are just starting in the industry at various ages, but the importance of keeping your side hustle until you are in a position like you are now where you're, you know, actually on a show and there's consistency in the paycheck because up until then it's inconsistent. If we're always waiting on this next job, we're going to be waiting for a long time sometimes for your next paycheck. So, you know, thank you for your transparency in that. And is it true that we may have something in common here? Did you also spend time working in a bakery? Did you ever have any bakery experience? No, no. I bake. You bake. Okay. Yeah. I worked in a bakery for like six and a half years was one of my size hustles. And for some reason, I thought maybe you worked in a bakery as well, but you actually bake. What do you like to bake? I bake. So it's so funny because um, the December before the pandemic hit, my in-laws came and my mother-in-law brought sourdough starter Uh before it was like what we're all doing because no one's leaving the house. And I, and she taught me, she brought like the whole setup kit of like baking bread and like all the book, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was so intimidated by it. And, and we made some stuff while she was here. And then I was like, when she leaves, I'm going to be 
frazzled because I don't know how to do this or what to do. It's so daunting to me, the idea of baking bread from scratch. And it not only was easy, but so much fun, so cathartic. And I was, I became really good at making bagels mm. and um, country loaves, cinnamon rolls. I mean, you name it. I was. Oh, <laughs> oh cinnamon rolls are my jam. Yes. And they were uh, just a dream. And I mean, we were stocked on bread and it was that thing of like, we don't have to ever leave. Because yes. <laughs> make bread all day and we can live off of this bread um I did have to stop because I I have a wheat allergy that I discovered is not a gluten allergy Uh uh-huh and so I thought it was and this bread sourdough like heirloom sourdough doesn't have gluten in it so I was like oh I'm good and then it later discovered that it is yeah yeah I know food allergies are no joke oh yeah no no joke joke. and they can show up at like any time just because you weren't born with a food allergy yes. doesn't mean your body might not, you know, change to something different or no longer be allergic down the road. Like I remember yes. my brother was allergic to macadamia nuts and then all of a sudden he just wasn't. It's like, Amazing. okay, whatever that is. <laughs> I, yeah, I need, I need some of that reverse action for the I love it. So before I get to Kings of Napa, because I've got so many questions, <laughs> you also, I want us to trail back to um, when you worked on the haves and have nots, because I'm yeah. a huge huge Tyler Perry fan. And I'm curious a couple things. One, did that shoot at his new studios? And two, was it like 500 million pages a day? Uh, No and yes. So um, the new studio was in the works, but not done when I was shooting there. But it was, you know, all the buzz on set because of how big it was going to be and how amazing it was going to be for the city. And like, it was just a cool thing to hear was coming, but we were still on his original um, compound, which was also massive. (laughs) Yes, I heard like seven or eight acres. It was like no small feet. Not at all. A full like town of homes. And like when we would shoot in homes and stuff, I remember like driving down the street on the compound that I'm like, these are all just mansions built side. But I mean, it was amazing. Like that, I'm still that person after all these years that gets on a set and I'm like, is that real? Is this, what's yes. real? this whole thing? Is that cat? They had it. Like, I, I'm such a geek in that way. I love that. Um, yes. So, yeah. So, so we were on his old set. Um, and yeah. So, it, yeah. It was a lot of pages and it was, um, I remember one time I flew in. And around nine o'clock that night, we got new pages. Holy Moses. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to take myself to dinner Uh and kind of like, you know, chomp this down and Uh then just like go to work and Uh and like really like get this. So it, I, I am naturally good at memorization. I'm, I'm. I pick it up really Lucky. quickly. Yes. <laughs> so I can't, I, 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 that's just a gift I have. Yeah. Um, but um, I also did the work. I definitely didn't go in day of and was like, I'll memorize this in four seconds. Like I, totally. I'm, I still like that, that night kind of drilled it and like went over it, but it was a really great exercise in getting there fast, like mm-hmm. getting to whatever place you need to be quickly. And mm-hmm. then, you know, being on set, 
we, you know, with the other actors, we hang out in each other's green rooms and just kind of like run the scenes over and over. So everyone was really open to doing that because we had to, because we yeah. all got these pages the night before and, and he shoots quickly. So there's maybe three takes, maybe not. Um, if he wants to play around, he'll play around, but you have to get it, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a very fast day. And it was, it was like a boot camp <laughs> in yeah. that way for acting. Um, and I think it's a cool skill to possess, to be able to just trust yourself really is what it is because yes. you, you know, you do the work, you make the decisions. And then when you get to set, you have to trust that those decisions work. If they don't, he'll, he'll tell you, like, if you're sure, you know, like any director, if you're off base, <laughs> they'll pull you back. But, um, you get, it gets you out of your head. It gets yeah. you completely out of your head to be able to be like, well, I either have it or I don't. And we're about to see in three, two, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Um, that jump and trust the net will catch you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so that was a pretty cool thing to exercise. I'm like, okay, I did that. And now I know I can, I can do that if I need to. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So how did the Kings of Napa come about how did that audition process work what was your whole journey in the show that you are currently on which I am loving by the way yay thank you um so that so literally just I mean it's crazy I didn't even think about it until right now when we were setting this up but uh a year ago today exactly was the day that I found out I booked it stop it there are no mistakes no mistakes I love it it's my friend Kat's birthday and I was at her house and I got the phone call oh like today. So happy birthday, Kat. Um, oh my <laughs> gosh. Happy booking day. Yes. Happy booking day. <laughs> um, but so February, actually Valentine's day, I um, recorded a self tape as we're doing right now in this, in this climate, which I think is kind of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't, see us going back to being in the room for theatrical castings anytime soon if ever um so I you know I got the tape I got the tape request I recorded it um and sent it in on the 14th and which was Sunday and then the 17th I get a phone call from Karina my manager's assistant and she's like hey the Kings of Napa wants to know if you have a passport. And I'm like, wait, I just sent the tape in. I didn't get any feedback. I didn't get any like, yeah, good job. We're talking to produce nothing. Like three days later, this is the next phone call. And I was like, uh, sure, I'll send it to you. What does that mean? Nothing, nothing, nothing until the 22nd. And then my manager calls and he's like, hey, congratulations, they want to test you. And I'm like, awesome, super cool. We start going through the test seal and I'm like, is it a Zoom? And they were like, nope, off of the tape. And I'm like, so that one tape. Wow. All of those decisions I made in that one four minute tape. Wow. Is going to then producers and then studio and then network that one moment that I, so I'm like, I hope I did what worked. <laughs> like, right. That it was good because, and you know, and then it's that actor thing of like, let me go back and rewatch it and see yes. the things I did and then nitpick over yes. what I did. Yes. Oh, 
Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. And so how many scenes did they have you do for that audition? I did. um, It was all from the pilot. Right. And I think it was just two. Okay. Okay. Because your character in the pilot definitely has an arc. Yeah. We find out new information pretty, you know, it's just like, yes. Yes. Um, nope, it was three. I just remembered three. it was the okay. opening scene of us sitting at the restaurant. Uh huh. It was the funeral scene. Uh huh. And then it was the scene where I confront August because um, she locked me out of the yep. facility. Yep. Wow. Those two wow. scenes. So when you do uh, actory question, when you <laughs> do a uh, uh, an audition such as uh when you're sitting at that the opening scene when you're sitting at the table yeah. I hear a lot of times people say stand for auditions keep your energy up what's yes. your thought on that did you stand for that or did you sit as if you were in a restaurant what was your process I sat for that okay um because I did I and 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 I, I just want to make a comment about that stand keep your energy up I believe that I do that uh-huh. absolutely um when, and I, I just use it in certain moments. It's not a hard and fast rule for me. Sure. Because there is a certain way to play with your energy when you're sitting. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that comfortable feel of the kind of like laid back with my girls kind of attitude. Yes. Um, So that's why I sat. But yeah. yeah, there there are definitely certain things I've auditioned for. And it's like, she's sitting at her desk and so-and-so walks in and I'm like, that's not. If the desk isn't necessary to the, you know, if I'm not like writing or picking up, a th- I don't know. If there's right. not something attaching me to the desk, then I will stand and keep the energy up. Um, yeah. But for this, I just felt like I'm, I'm with my girls. I'm like, I wanted that feel yeah. to come across. And I feel like that played better sitting. Yeah. And I love that you said that. I uh, recently in class, I'm in scene study class with Ogie. Shout out to Ogie. Yes! Hey, Shout girl. out to Ogie. I miss um, you. And we have a Tuesday night scene study class. And I did a scene where I was literally lounging on my couch with my, um, you know, with my hand on my head because I was doing a scene from the kids are all right. And we were in our living room and we were yeah. just having this conversation. And then my, you know, coach, you know, uh, made a comment. He's like, you know, that you know, for those of you who aren't willing to do that position in an, in an audition, you're missing out because that's interesting. You know? And I was like, Ooh, I was, I was just thinking comfortable for class. Like, let's just do this. But he's like, that would show me confidence if somebody brought that in and did something unique. So it's kind of like putting your stamp on it. Right. And there's another gal that I, I, um, a colleague I met that worked on walking dead. And she said that she always like nine times out of 10, she said, I sit with my legs open kind of in this, in this way. She goes, like you said, my energy is still there. She's like, but I wear no makeup. And she's like, and I just rock this confidence in the way that I sit. Mm. And, and she said that that has been, you know, like a really interesting thing. So I always love to hear people's process because it's all different for everybody. Right. Yes. And, and I, you know, through the years of studying all over, uh, you know, I, I, for years I had this kind of insecurity really about not going to a university, not mm-hmm. going to a conservatory for acting after high school. And when I came to LA, I was here for about 
two and a half years and I was like, I need to study. And I wasn't finding a class here that I loved. And so my manager at the time suggested I go to London. And so I went to London and studied at the Actors Center there for that summer. And I just needed to learn. I just needed to be in a setting of learning and like, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I know everything. Mm-hmm. And and finding new te- techniques. And that's where I learned Meisner. Um, and I realized after that, uh, I don't follow one thing. Yeah. And I don't, like I said, it's not a hard and fast rule with any technique because I found that like, I have to let the piece kind of speak to what it needs. I yeah. even, you know, I did this um, TV movie called Deliverance Creek and I was playing this woman who was enslaved and freed herself and it was this really cool story. And so I started doing all this research um, about stories of people that were enslaved and, and you know, journals that they wrote. And I started writing a journal. I have never journaled as a character ever. I don't even journal as me. I don't like journaling, it's not my right. thing. I'm just not that person. I've tried it. I've, it just doesn't stick. Yeah. And all of a sudden, while we're shooting this for five weeks, I'm like, who is that? But it's wow. it's something that came up and I just went with it because I was like, I feel like I need to do this. I feel like I need this for her. Yes. And so, um, and then with, with Bridget from the Kings of Napa, every morning on my way to set, I had her songs. I had mm-hmm. like a few artists that would just get me in the zone of what Bridget is and who she is and the vibe she has. And then once they built out my home, I would go to set and just hang out in there. If we weren't shooting in there, even if we were, I would just get there before the rest of the crew got there and just kind of be in my space. Yeah. Um, and that's a new thing. Cause that's a luxury I've, I haven't had before, but like the music thing is different. I was like, okay, yeah. that's what Bridget needs. So it's like, I'm just kind of keeping myself open to what, technique will work for what moment yeah you're able to like channel what's necessary yeah okay this character I need to journal this character I need to listen to music this character you know it's just like yeah yeah, Yeah. whatever serves the story and can we just talk for a minute about your wardrobe Um, (laughs) hello to the wardrobe department for your show because everybody is banging in their wardrobe I mean holy Moses that must be so much fun to get ready every day in these costumes amazing shout out to michelle light the head of wardrobe she really like well first you know she called um and again this was i've done pilots before i've been series regular a few times before but i think this was well not even i think this was the first time i was a series lead yes and um and uh, i would there's about six series leads on this show and we all had opportunities with Michelle to you know she called us and was like what does your character look like here are my ideas put together a folder of how you think she looks and so I went on Pinterest and I started pulling all these pictures and like thinking about her hair after talking with the head of the hair department and like pulling her together and then when we get there um, you know, our first fittings, Michelle's got, you know, racks and racks of clothes and we're just trying to find her and building what her personality is and what she mm-hmm. would wear in a vineyard and what she would wear out with her girls and like how, you know, she's this free spirit. And so like, you know, she's shops vintage, but she has money. So it's like, 
vintage Gucci, but I'm like, you know, it's like interesting ways of weaving who she is. And it was such a collaborative effort. Um, the mo- I think the most fun we had was going to set and being like, what am I wearing today? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. And you bringing up that topic of clothing, hair, makeup um, takes me to a listener question from Miss Ogie. She had a couple questions for you, but one of which was, she said, as a woman of color, is hair like how is it that you've been able to deal with hair and makeup? It's something that continually frustrates Ogie. Has oh. that been like with your? It's it, it like how does that work now on this set? Are you primarily working with people that are used to working with women of color? Well, specifically Kings of Napa, it is a unicorn of a show. Okay. Um, in terms, I have never, that's not true. Bad Hair had an all black um, hair, makeup and wardrobe teams, nice. head of teams, which was probably, I think that was my first time working on something major that had women of color all in at heads yes and and it's it is profound not true the haves and have nots but um, (laughs) i was just like am i lying right now (laughs) yes that's amazing Um, but it's you know it it is now becoming more and more of a trend in finding definitely black heads of departments because that just changes so much in terms of who they hire because um not everyone that they hire has to be black but you at least have to know how to do makeup on people of color how to handle all types of textures of hair um and i think with this erica croft who is a master wig maker literally like she is that's the status yeah (laughs) that she's at yeah um and is is just a magician in her craft knows how to deal with all types of hair and like she all of our wigs were hand wefted one strand at a time um yeah it's it it, mine my wig specifically took about 50 hours to make holy moses yeah and she made two (laughs) um and she but you know we we talked about the treatment of my hair underneath the wig it wasn't just Mm -hmm. like plopping a wig on top of my head it was just like well you know how do you want to wear your hair so that it's protected and comfortable um but to ogie's ogie's specific question um i have not had great experiences in my career over the years i have definitely had some experiences that that like stayed with me for weeks after that i'm like why didn't I say anything? I'm so mad at myself that I just let them do that. Or I just like, or I've had times where I'll, you know, have my hair done and then go into the trailer and fix it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've also had really great experiences with, you know, not with having, like I've had a couple of white women do my hair that were amazing. Mm-hmm. I just did an episode of a show a couple of weeks ago and the head of hair, white woman, sat me down and was like what do you want to do she knew she knew all the terms she knew what my hair needed she had the products like this is someone that I'm like oh she's done her research and I feel safe in her hands and she made my hair look great and you know and even you know she and I were having the conversation and she was like it's 
definitely something that was not taught. It is uh-huh. just, it's an elective. Uh-huh. It's not even in your basic beautician school, you know, Jeez. which is nuts. Um, and so she even gave me a few people to follow on Instagram um, that, you know, deal with natural hair and that are teaching other hairstylists how to work with natural hair. So now it's becoming more of something that is just necessary. It's not even an option anymore of whether you can know or not know about it. And I, and I worked with this hairstylist. She did my hair and makeup for Sundance one year and white woman and killed my hair. It was gorgeous. Mm. And she was like, I just don't understand why more hairstylists and makeup artists aren't learning techniques outside of what they know because it just provides more money. Like why wouldn't you? Absolutely, more opportunity. And like, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, don't you want to make the artist you're working on look the very best because that's your name on the product. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's- But going to set with my hair already done is something that we deal with all the time. All of my black actress friends, we do that. Like that's, if if it's a set we don't know, we show up done. Yep. With our hair. I have a friend that has gone to set with foundation on because she's like, I show up and I look like they'll make me look like a ghost. And that yep. has happened to me yep. recently. And I had to tell the woman the next day, the first day I, when I went back to my trailer, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh, dear God. Yes. <laughs> what was I on camera? And the next day I was like, hey, I think your powder is a little light. I brought my powder. She was totally open to it. Totally yep. cool about it. She didn't push back. Um, and I think it, that's what it is. It's a conversation. And I think for, for many years, and I'll speak for myself, but I don't think I'm the, alone in this. Um, there's a feeling of intimidation. Sometimes we're the only black person on set yeah. and there's everything that goes along with that. And like, great. Now I have to be the problem child or the troublemaker, or the angry black lady. If I say something that Ugh. I need, yes, it's, it's so deep. And so yeah. It, you know, representation matters on so many levels yeah. of just feeling like you're not alone in something or feeling like someone understands the thing you're asking for and you're not being difficult, but this doesn't look good. I did this show. <laughs> God bless this woman. It was in Atlanta and she, um, I don't, I think she was trying to show me that she knew that she could like do black hair. Because oh. I've had a couple of times where I'll get on set and they'll look at me and they're like, you, you're great. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're not even going to touch my hair? No. And so this, she was just trying to be like, not that person. And she's like, yeah, yeah. we'll add some bows. And I was like, oh, oh do boy. <laughs> I was like, I'm playing an adult. I don't, I don't know if bows are where we're trying to go. <laughs> Oh, but she was so excited to add bows, and I was like, "That's not not what this character is." But I appreciate you wanting to play. Um, Yes, this isn't a grooming session. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm not a toy poodle, but um, thank you. Yeah, it's frightening out there, and I I suggest to any women of color that are listening. force yourself to speak up it's gonna be so uncomfortable yeah like it feels nauseating in the moment because of all the things we know that we've come up against or all the pushback that we've had yeah but force it because whatever the outcome you leave that situation knowing that you spoke up for yourself yeah and you might be surprised like I was with that makeup artist because the night 
that I went home and I was telling my husband, like, look at this face she did. What is this? <laughs> and he was like, you got to say something. You got to take your powder. In it. And I was like, okay, I don't know. And I was so nervous to say something. And her response was so refreshing and validating. Cause she was like, oh yeah, cool. Like nothing. She didn't yeah. try to defend her work or say that I was wrong or gaslight me into thinking it wasn't that bad. She just went along with what I needed. And I think that, um, you can go into the moment hoping that, and if it doesn't happen, then then it exposes that person for who they are. Totally. But at least you got out like, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're the one on camera. Exactly. Exactly. And there is a way to have that conversation where nobody has to feel attacked, but yes. it can just be brought to the table and be like, hey, just heads up. Here's my history and I'm not doing this again. Yes. So, and, and, and coming with a solution, which is why I think the powder suggestion was so good. Yeah. Because I, rather than go into a trailer the next day and say like, I hated my face last night, which totally. was true. <laughs> but yeah, um, rather than just say, I hated it, fix it. I went in saying, I think it was the powder. Yeah. Can we try this powder? And that way I'm like, not blaming her for being unskilled, mm -hmm. but saying like, I think it was just the wrong color. Yeah. And that's and literally what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Love so, that. so I just encourage you to speak up as difficult as it may be and feel um, because we have to, we have to start saying what it is and not hiding. Agreed. And just, you know, taking it and crying about it later, which I've done. Yeah, totally. Well, no, and that's great, great, great suggestion. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Do you have time for two more questions? Mm -hmm. I know I usually say we last about 30 minutes. We've gone a little over, but I'm oh. just like <laughs> loving all, every word you're saying. So if you have time for a couple more questions, yes. there was one other thing that Ogie had asked and she said, how do you stay motivated during all the rejection and the auditions? And was there something that finally flipped for you or a light bulb moment that happened prior to this last booking of uh, Kings of Napa? Yes. So I remember in like a drought, cause I, I, from 16 to 18, I didn't work. I auditioned. Okay. Mm -hmm. but I didn't book anything. And uh -huh. in 2017, I got a new manager and agent mm -hmm. and still didn't book for that year after. And that whole time I was just like, what else, what else do I need to do? I, I couldn't think of another thing to mm -hmm. do. I couldn't think of another, you know, coaching classes like not like I couldn't think of something else that I could be doing to change the outcome and then I realized it just came to me I think honestly it was in a meditation where mm -hmm. I was looking at it in um the I actually yes it did because I was working with a trainer and he was boxing with me like we would box at the end of every session mm -hmm. and I remember thinking like I am terrible at boxing I am not <laughs> good at this but it's strengthening my body and that's really what we were doing he's not trying to make me a boxer but it, it's good for like upper body strength and like coordination sure. and, and just full body like engagement um and so I thought about that and I was like oh I can kind of apply that to auditioning and 
it's working these muscles and I'm kind of, you know, training for the work and I'm just building upon this training and I'm getting stronger and I'm strengthening my biceps and my triceps and my quads and like all of these parts of my body and my craft with these auditions. And so it's less about booking the work and more about getting, building up that training strength. And, and I will say, even when there weren't auditions, because that was a, a huge chunk of that time, it was just like, nothing is coming in. That gave me time to really think about and really focus on what it is that I want to do and who else I am outside of this. And where yes. am I really getting my validation from? Yes. And what is really moving me through this world outside of acting? Because, and again, speaking for myself, but I feel like I, there's a few other people who agree. Yeah. Um, that this is all I am sometimes. And it, yeah. and it becomes, and especially social media, I took a few breaks from social media in that time sure. because I was finding that I was comparing myself, which is death. Mm-hmm of creativity. Comparison mm -hmm. is death of creativity. It cannot thrive while you are trying to be an artist and creative while you're looking over at someone else's plate. And so I'm looking at these people and I'm just like, oh, I want my thing. And like, Wah. and I'm just like, okay, can't do that. Um, my husband always says when you're in a season of scarcity or a drought, to celebrate others, like find a way, yes. like get really, really good at celebrating others genuinely. Yes. And so then I dove into that because I had a ton of friends around me thriving and blowing up and like booking shows. And so I'm like, you know what, let's just put my energy into that and take the focus off of myself mm -hmm. because my thing is coming. Yes. And so I can't, I, there isn't anything I can do. There's not another headshot. There's not another class. It's none of those things anymore. At a certain point, you are ready. You are there. It yeah. is now just a matter of time and you staying in it, which is great, but also frustrating because yeah. we want to feel in control. We want to feel like that next class is the thing that's going to book me the job or that haircut is what's going to do it for me. Or yep. if I lose this much, or if I tighten that up, and then none of that, none of that matters yeah. um, until it's time for your thing to come. And so I threw myself into celebrating the successes of my friends around me. And also, I, you know, I was working at a restaurant and I was like, this is, I'm, instead of looking at the clock, and I remember I, I got that job and the manager was like, we like to have our hostess, you know, our hosts, um, be here for a, a year commitment. And I was like, absolutely. And I was laughing in my head, like, there's no way I'm going to be here for a year. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Fast forward four and a half years later. Uh huh. And I finally got to a place with that, that I accepted it. Yeah. And didn't, wasn't annoyed that I was still there, but embraced yeah. it and was yeah. like, I'm going to be the best host of this restaurant that I can possibly be yeah. and really commit to this. And my dad called it. He was like, you're not just a host at a restaurant. They are investing in your acting career. And that's yeah. how you have to look at it. So any side job, any hustle you have to do is another person investing in your art. And so 
I was like, okay, then I'm going to show up for these people that are investing in me and do a great job because they are funding my life until the thing hits. And, and that really, you know, took me into a place of like, it's coming and I have to be patient, which is extremely hard. And I also have to have a sense of knowing I can't worry about the when Mm -hmm. or the what. Um, And I have to, I have to really be fine contentment. And it took years. This is not an overnight thing. It took me years to get to that place of being content. And the fall or the winter rather of 2020, um, I tested for a series or, or no, they wanted to test me for a series and I turned it down because what they were offering me was just insulting. Wow. Really, really insulting. And I ran it by a few of my friends. I was like, am I being a diva? And a couple of my friends that are on series were like, absolutely not. That's, they're doing this because we're in a pandemic and they know people want to work and that's insulting. Yeah. And, and my agent, my manager, my lawyer, everyone was like, don't, do not do this. This is not okay. And I hadn't worked. It's a yeah. pandemic. I'm working in a restaurant. I'm a frontline worker. Like yeah. what? Yeah. I, I need a job. Yeah. And I was terrified and I prayed about it and I talked with my husband and we prayed about it and we were like, you know what? We are going to walk in faith and decide to not do this. And I turned it down. Two months later, auditioned for Kings of Napa, booked that. And then a month after that, found out that the other show didn't get picked up. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Walk in faith. Yes. Incredible. What a great story. (laughs) Now, where does Kings of Napa film? Is is it L.A.? Canada. Canada. I know. Who knew? Who knew that Ontario has a wine country? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you're not going to Napa. You're going to Canada. Yes. <laughs> Hence, they were asking about the passport. That exactly. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Got it. That's amazing. So I have a, I had a premonition as I was watching uh, episode four uh, this mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to put it out there. You ready? Yes. When they do a story of Oprah Winfrey's life, you will play her. Oh, I love that. It came to me so strongly that I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to play Oprah. I love it. I will take that. You heard it it from me first. Yes, yes, yes. Give it to me. Have you had a chance to meet her yet? Not in person because- the panty but um we we she was there for our table read on zoom and it was we knew she would be there but we just thought it's oprah her camera's gonna be off and she's busy and like whatever no camera on face in the she's like engaged leaning in watching us (laughs) and at one point you know how like the boxes move on zoom around like if someone's speaking or whatever at one point, her box was next to mine, and I was like, I can't look. I can't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is a surreal moment. Yeah. So we met her on Zoom. She's amazing. She's nice. so sweet, and she was so complimentary about our work and the show, and it was just 
crazy. We, we all kind of lost it. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, I, I know that that's not going to be the first or the last time that you meet her. I just have a feeling. Yeah. So I will say thank you so very much. Was there anything that I didn't ask or that you wanted to talk about before we um, uh, conclude the episode? Ooh, Ooh, I think, I think we hit on all of the things. Um, I think if anything, I just want to drive home the point of trusting yourself and, and trusting this process and, and knowing that like you've, you're, you've done the work, you're doing the work and it's coming yes. and that's it. And that's all you have to know. You don't yes. have to know anything else. I love that <laughs> so much. And I receive that and I'm yes. sure all the listeners receive that. Um, because that is speaking truth right there. Yes. Yes. And I close every episode by saying, if nobody else tells you today, I believe in you. Go create some miracles and always believe that you can. Yanni, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so oh, very much. Thank you, Amber. It's been wonderful. Okay. I'll see you in the movies. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Have a Thanks. great day. You Bye. Too. Bye-bye.